Welcome, listeners, to www.ironradio.org, the website and podcast for all things strength sports and sports nutrition. With your hosts, Lonnie Lowry. Remember, Phil is like a gnarled old oak tree held together with scar tissue and bone spurs. Rob Fortney. And I'm telling you, the pain that I would suffer was beyond excruciating. And Phil Stevens. Do it, Rob. You'll kill all those nerves. Thanks for listening. Welcome, IronRadio.org listeners. This is Lonnie Lowry. I am, what am I? I'm an exercise <laughs> physiologist. Uh, I'm a nutritionist. Uh, I write some books and science articles. Uh, I'm a former competitive bodybuilder as well. <laughs> yep. Fortress Fortney here. I'm a editor at Muscle Mag. I used to be a competitive bodybuilder too. Next guy. Hi, this is Phil. I'm a powerlifter, Highland Games athlete, and strength coach. I run Strength Guild. Everybody, we are chaos, but we've got a guest. We've got a co-host, actually. Uh, it's Jonathan Mike. How you doing, buddy? Doing good. Thanks for having me on again. Uh, John Mike here, a doctorate candidate in exercise phys. Uh, write a lot of articles, been doing a lot of book chapters, competing strongman, and um, I like to lift heavy weight. It's a good thing. <laughs> okay, uh, if you can tell everybody, we are, it's chaos uh, tonight, and uh, we're going to push forward anyway. Um, news. Strength and muscle sport news. Uh, I wanted to share one thing real quick. At the end of January, there's going to be a strength workshop uh, in Akron, Ohio, and it's sort of iron radio friendly. I might even work out some kind of more formal iron radio slash NSCA arrangement. We will see. But uh, I'm going to talk about explosive performance and stimulants uh, at that event, and then we're going to break into workshop stuff, and people are going to work in groups and squat and deadlift and that sort of thing. Uh, so end of January, Akron, Ohio, if anybody's interested. The two key words are explosive and stimulants. Explosive stimulants. I've had some stimulants that caused explosions. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I, I thought at one time or another uh, indulged in some of the supplements of our industry have experienced uh, an explosive yeah. reaction. Re- <laughs> yeah. Do we have other news? I want to I mention so. the fact that at a bookstore I walked in the first hit me when I see it approaching the magazine rack is Staring in bold relief is a new edition of Muscle Mag. Oh. Now, I had Someone heard up. several weeks back that the title was picked up by some big, I, it's a U.S. company. Anyway, so oh, this, okay. I suppose, is the premier issue of the new Robert Kennedy's Muscle Mag. And thankfully, it does actually say Robert Kennedy's Muscle Mag still on, this, on, the, uh, on, the, on the... Did you buy it? Ah, hell no. <laughs> but you know, I fl- I flipped to the freaking masthead, and the only name that I recognized out of any was Bill Geiger, who was the guy that was running the show the last several years, who was the ex weeder guy that Bob had hired. So I uh, no no other name that I recognized whatsoever. So as far as I'm concerned, it's not. I mean, Bob's I mean, not there. Johnny Fitness is not there. I mean, nobody's there. 
Bartlett's not there. Zulak's not there. Yeah. Total reboot, it sounds like. It's, it's, it's a reboot, but in my estimation, pretty much in name only. It certainly doesn't... Lonnie, you, you know what I'm talking about. It doesn't... You know, Muscle Mag used to have definitely its own unique feel to it. Um, and that was certainly being bleached out with the bringing in of these two or three people that I'm talking about. And, you know, now certainly I don't think it has any... bears any resemblance. I, I, I'm... Sure that the majority of the people, even if they had a chance, and have been given a chance, see with it. But I'm kind of so I'm just going to shut up about that. But uh, good luck to the new muscle mag. Anyway, it's interesting uh, that you saw that at all. Yeah, hmm. yeah. I got some cool customer reviews here, guys, about our raging po- podcast here. Would you all like right. me to read it? Uh, yes. iTunes, absolutely. Reviews, yeah. Okay, well, get ready, man. Buckle it in. Five stars, top-notch podcast. This podcast has been extremely enjoyable and informative. I most enjoy just about anything Lonnie says. Bringing in insights, fishing, exercises are very applicable and relevant to a bodybuilder and others alike. I also enjoy insights shared in the world of powerlifting as well. Thank you very much. Here's another one. Um, he's, here's a newest member of the Iron Brotherhood. Wow, this podcast is great, informative, and entertaining. Lifting is your sport, and you must give this show a listen. Just start listening to the podcast in reverse order three weeks ago. I hear that often. You know, people who catch up with the show say that they they work backwards. I guess. Yes, I, I I've noticed that too. I always used to think that people, if it wasn't brand new, they wouldn't listen to it. But I guess podcasting aficionados, they're not really like that. You know, they just they'll go through and yeah, regardless. Well, yeah, there's a lot of meat on the, those bones these days. I mean, we've been on up for three and a half years or something. Um, he's already listened to 50 episodes. Listen all the way back to the beginning. You know what? I should actually listen to the first episode we've ever done. Um, well, I'll do that. Thanks for the show, guys. Keep up the great work. And one more. Um, I have been listening to this show. See, this guy only gave us four to five stars. That's unacceptable, whoever you are. Oh, um, I have been listening to this show on the way back and forth to work. And if the guest speakers have been and quite oftentimes have something to say for everyone, old, young, lifter. So uh, thank you very much. You know what? He probably didn't give us the extra star because Phil probably screwed up his pizza order. Yeah. <laughs> or it could be that sorry Canadian internet connection we're struggling with this time. Yeah, if, if anybody hears some weird, kind of weird guitar yeah. flanger effect going on here, it's... So, I don't know. I, what, what can you say, man? I'm living in a tent. Like, what do you want from me? <laughs> You're going to have people really believe in that. <laughs> Phil's already, he's already got them believing that you're surrounded by penguins and polar bears, like uh, some kind of Arctic <laughs> Dr. Doolittle. <laughs> okay, let's, let's uh, steer back on track here. We brought um, John Mike in, and we're going to talk about um, mostly nutritional, but nutritional slash pharmacological pre-workout stuff. Um, we've had episodes before about the, the ritual, the pre-workout ritual, if you will. But more specifically, almost a sports nutrition side of things. And I'll tell you what, uh, John, let's start with a, a list. So what are some of the things? I know you've been writing about this on uh, some key websites and that sort of thing. Um, but what's on your list of things that people will 
take for um, ergogenic effects, especially pre-workout sorts of things? Well, there's a whole host actually, but you know we're so inundated with so many things almost on a like a, a daily or even a weekly basis. But some of the top ones, I mean, obviously caffeine is you know probably the, the number one. It can be used in and of itself or mixed with certain things. So you know, there's caffeine. Um, there's ammonia inhalants or you know, what powerlifting and strongman and strength sports call smelling or sniffing salts. And, you know, that's probably, you know, the most popular among powerlifters and strongman and strength athletes, even uh, for, you know, boxing or football or, or martial arts. And then there's um, obviously like ephedra or ephedrine. Um, it's still rather popular. Um, sodium bicarbonate, otherwise known as like baking soda. It's not you know, what we or I or what we were call the usual, you know, go-to supplement to, to increase, you know, exercise performance. And it's typically not really on the list for those wanting to improve exercise capacity, but it's still there. Um, and then there's, you know, many other ones like, you know, beta alanine has certainly gotten a lot more popular uh, in recent years. Um, there's, you know, L-carnitine, um, L-arginine, which is, you know, help produce like the pump and things like that. And products like NO Explode and so there's 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 many um but those are some of the ones that are more well known so to speak you know we could even add to the list i mean there's well known stuff like uh monster you know um phil and i will both drink monsters every once in a while phil will drink many monsters i think if he has to (laughs) (laughs) and that's not just caffeine although if you look at the literature most people will agree that it's mostly caffeine uh in a lot of those energy drinks as far as any kind of performance or psychological effect in fact if i don't mention it uh later somebody remind me but we've been looking at the difference between psychological versus motor neuron effects of uh stimulants but anyway um you know those things of course have taurine in them too which by itself is an amino acid that causes some relaxation in a way um and i don't know if that that's what lets you tolerate the higher doses of caffeine and some of this stuff but uh, listeners know that I've been looking at uh, new pr- coffee products, too, like Via. And Via Instant Coffee is, it's not a joke. And before some of you poo-poo that comment, you're like, oh, um, well, I almost dared you to go try three packets of this stuff, but I'm going to back off and not tell you to do that. <laughs> uh, we actually did a little bit of sensory eval, and we were going to give people three packets before lifting. Uh, and we actually decided on two because three was too much. Uh, now, if you're a really big person, maybe if you're going to dose based on body weight, you would consider something like that. But I'm I'm not willing to go there because if you overdo some of this stuff, especially the stimulants, it backfires. And I've seen data in um, football players, NFL players, and other people that especially if they're not habituated, it it has an ergolytic effect. It actually breaks down their performance, which is really kind of bad talk, talk a little bit more about that actually that's kind of interesting well just because i th- i think um if you're not used to it the i don't know if you simply have uh more or more sensitive epinephrine receptors phil and i were talking about this a little bit last week uh or other things like that but um we're actually looking right now to, in fact hours ago for the first time i was looking at our data set that we've been collecting on caffeine habituated versus caffeine naive uh, lifters. All these guys are experienced lifters, guys and gals. 
And my hypothesis, or our, our group's hypothesis really, was regardless of how much you consume these things, they're always going to be ergogenic. You know, I mean, let's face it, look around and, I mean, coffee and caffeinated drinks are the number one beverage in the world. And uh, people would stop drinking them, frankly, if they stopped working, you know. Uh, we had Dawn Anderson from Minnesota on the show, um, oh gosh, maybe a year and a half ago or so. And she was looking at energy drinks, she and I, for a while too. She's done quite a bit of work with strength athletes and caffeine. But anyway, the point being is, uh, just looked at this data and it was surprised. I was surprised. I can't let the cat out of the bag because I'm still analyzing it. It would be irresponsible. But I'm very surprised at what I'm seeing with habituation versus caffeine naive lifters. Wait, Lonnie. I mean, what's the what's the the coffee that that you've been testing? What's the milligramage compared to just your average, you know, coffee at Starbucks or something? Well, it is a Starbucks product, but it's micro ground coffee. It's not just instant coffee. Regular instant coffee has about sixty to seventy milligrams of caffeine uh, in a in a little packet. You know, right. that's a nice thing for research. You can just rip open the packet and dump it in instead of having to brew it. I mean, Bill Eben, who's been on the show, Doctor Eben and I. We were once up at his lab, and we're trying to brew coffee and figure out milligrams per kg and how many milligrams per milliliter in the brewed coffee. And, oh, it was just a train wreck. So via is very easy to measure. But unlike regular instant coffee at 60 to 70 mg uh, per dose, it has um, almost triple that. Actually. Wow. So, and that's why when I, I brought it out to Phil's place, you know, I think uh, – I think Phil's a believer. That stuff is yeah, yeah. It's a real deal. Um, and it's a new coffee product. Like I said, they'll actually micro grind it. So you know, sometimes people will be popping coffee beans, chocolate covered coffee beans, and that sort of stuff. And right. it's almost like re the real bean just ground so fine that it dissolves. And I don't know how they do the whole process, of course. But um, where can you get it? You said st Starbucks. Oh yeah, you can get a Starbucks. You can get it in Walmart. You can get it all over the place. They sell little. Uh, cardboard packages of this stuff like seven packs or 12 packs uh it's not cheap like regular instant coffee but it's not regular instant coffee um the dog the dog sleds bring up a box or two every year up here too so. do that yeah yeah mm -hmm. interestingly rob the research batch we were using was from one of our uh regular listeners and you know the labels were in both english and french as you might guess because mm -hmm. it came down from the great right north so Shout out uh, for that. I was very, very uh, grateful for that. But it's funny that you say that because actually a lot of our research batch was Canadian. <laughs> so anyway, um, I'll tell you what. Let's go to early break and come back, and we're going to put John in the spotlight and have him give us a rundown, sort of what the literature says about some of this big list. Uh, and then we'll just chime in. How about that? Hi, this is Dr. Lonnie Lowry, and on behalf of Phil and Rob, I'd just like to let listeners know that if you love us or you hate us, we'd like you to leave a comment or perhaps vote for us on iTunes. It helps us out quite a bit on the popularity side of things. Uh, you can also follow uh, Dr. Lowry, me, on Twitter. Uh, it's Lonman7 on Twitter if you want to do that. We also have a Facebook page, the Iron Radio uh, listeners page. So, 
uh, whether it's leaving a comment or voting for us or following us on Twitter or Facebook. Uh, that would be fantastic. Also, uh, occasionally Rob or myself will write an article for another website, and Phil will as well. So lots of ways to um, interact, uh, follow us in other media, and vote for us and uh, keep things going strong on Iron Radio. Thanks. Hi, this is Dr. Lowry with an update on the protein book that you hear about in the ad at the end of the show. Uh, If you simply Google CRC Press in protein, uh, there's a new development. On the right side of the page, you can see ebook, and there's a purchase slash rent option. And the cool thing here is if you check that out now, because they have an agreement with Vital Book, uh, you can actually download the ebook for $69 US dollars. So that's 31% off the $99.95 uh, cover price. So that's pretty fantastic. $69, I think that's going to drop it into the affordable range for a lot of people. And you can even rent it. Uh, lower down the page, they have 180-day rentals and one-year rentals. So you can access the book in electronic format and get some of this juicy information. So thanks. Hi, this is Rob Porch Sportney, and I'm here to ask that as the holidays approach and your thoughts turn to giving, you consider your friends here at ironradio.org. Over the past several years, we've heard and read hundreds of listener comments hoping that Iron Radio stays on the air for years to come. We are here for you. But like any other radio format, we're listener supported. That's where you come in. For just $4 a month, you can become a sporting member. Keep your weekly dose of education, experts, and gen talk flowing. Just go to www.ironradio.org and click on the $4 monthly subscribe button near the bottom of the page or click the donate button at the right of the page for a one-time donation. You are the Iron Brother and Sister. Thanks for helping us create a place for better internet programming for all strength and muscle sports and a happy holidays. Like your weekly fix of Iron Radio? In addition to being a popular institute on iTunes, we are also on email. Simply go to www.ironradio.org and sign up for the voluntary email. You'll get a once-per-week email, no more, that's little more than the show notes and a link to the audio. So go for it. Welcome back to Iron Radio. This is Rob, and you're here with Lonnie, Phil, and our guest, John Mike. We're talking about pre-workout stimulants um, and this type of thing. So take it yep. away for somebody who knows more about it than I do. Well, I'll tell you. Let's get John uh, running down the list a little bit here, brother. So That's we good. can talk about caffeine quite a bit. Well, let's start yep. with that just quickly. What have you seen with caffeine and then maybe move into some of the other stimulants like uh, ephedra, ephedrine, you know? Right. I mean, caffeine, it's, I mean, make no mistake. I mean, it's the most powerful and widely consumed, you know, drug in the world. So it's in all kinds of things, stimulants and drinks and things. But there was a, uh, you know, report from uh, Goldstein from 2010. He kind of summarized a lot of the performance effects of, you know, caffeine. It's just um, a greater, you know, ergogenic effect when consumed, obviously, like in the anhydrous state compared to 
you know, just regular coffee, um, you know, beneficial for high intensity exercise, like team sports and things like that, you know, sustained maximal endurance exercise, and even in, you know, strength training. And in the recent years, you've seen a lot more research with caffeine and, and resistance training more um, compared to what you've seen just for traditional, like, endurance types of uh, exercise. Um, you know, caffeine is um, very, you know, vigilant during extended exhaustive bouts and things like that. So, I mean, we could, we could probably talk about caffeine in and of itself for <laughs> probably a month um, straight. But some of the other ones I mentioned, uh, like ammonia inhalants, um, it's typically very popular amongst, you know, powerlifters and strongmen and other strength athletes. Um, it's typically what's called like ammonia carbonate is the main ingredient. So we just always think of it as, you know, smelling or sniffing salts. Um, and most people know that it's typically traditionally used for like treatment of like dizziness and, and fainting. But it's funny because it's as often as it's used, you would think that there's all kinds of, you know, literature supported and things like that, but there, there's really not. I mean, it's it's virtually non-existent. That's um, interesting. Yeah, and there's currently, you know, no research investigating the, the prevalence among athletes or different types of athletes. But, I mean, they're generally considered safe in terms of the actual treatment of, like, dizziness, you know. So, um, but it's often used before, you know, high-intensity strength training, like before heavy 1RM attempts, you know, squat, bench, and deadlifts before or during competition. Uh, I know some people that <laughs> almost do it before every major set, uh, in a sense. So, oh, wow. um, you know, I think one thing about the ammonia inhalants is that, um, you know, regular use and its psychological effect, it, it may perceive um, lifters or athletes to maybe attempt a lift at an intensity they, they may not be able to complete, um, that's just kind of speculation, um, maybe increased risk of injury, but there, there, there's no, you know, science to, to really back that up with, but it is important to say like lifters should always really know what they're capable of doing and what their limitations are, um, you know, for that type of thing. John, let me ask you, um, so is the general mechanism, is a general concept that, Almost like with the caffeine carbohydrate mouth swishes or with the people who bite down on the mouthpieces and that sort of thing. Is it just for like a CNS, central nervous system, jolt? Pretty much. The basic mechanism is that it causes a rapid and um, extreme like irritation of the lungs and the nose and like those music, music membranes like in the nasal cavity. So then what happens is that you'll have this simultaneous and, and rapid inhalation reflex that produces this involuntary inhalation. So it means that that reflex actually stimulates the muscles that regulate breathing. Oh. So that increased breathing stimulates a higher degree of consciousness. That's basically what it comes down to. That is cool, actually. Let me, yeah. before we do move on, Fortress, have you ever hit the smelling salts? What's you your know what? I have been in the presence of those who have been using them, but I myself have never... St- Never used them, no. Hmm. What about you, Phil? Yeah, I don't know. I didn't like it. Yeah, I think you uh, mentioned that before, not, didn't you? Yeah, it just pissed me off. <laughs> like, I can't see, I can't breathe. It was like, I was ready to lift, and now I'm just mad. You know? <laughs> you know, but uh, I know people who love them. But for me, it was like, I was already jacked up enough. I don't need to, you know. Then I was just mad at the ammonia, not the bar. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> so I know people who, who love them. 
but luckily you're too yeah. stunned probably at that point to punch somebody in the face. <laughs> uh, okay. I give it a shot. But. What about now, John? You said you've used them yourself. Yeah, I have many times. Uh, either for you know before max lifts or uh, the last several times I've used them, I've do, used them before like heavy um, strongman events, like you know I did like 705 yoke or you know farmers or stones, but um, just normal heavy types of training sessions. Um, I typically don't use them, but for like extreme, you know, one RM attempts or heavy strongman stuff, I'll, I'll definitely use them. Would you recommend that for people to keep their act together, keep their shit together? I don't. I personally don't see the need to do it like every exercise or every other set or whatever. And and sometimes depending on, you know, I'm sure there's different brands and there's different. Um, you know, degrees, magnitudes of like the potency, but you know, some of them you can, you don't have to put all the way up to your nose. You can just put it, you know, farther away and you can still get a really good effect. Um, and some of them you have to put, you know, it's almost like you're just inhaling so much that you, you know, the more you do, it's almost like the more you have to do in a sense, but I, I don't really see the need to do it fairly regularly. Um, but yeah. Uh, yeah, mainly for. But you know what I'm saying, though. It doesn't overwhelm your senses. Do you think people would have to try to sniff it a few times in order not to just have chaos? I mean, I don't think anybody wants to go into a lift feeling like they just got sprayed with a mace or something right. like that. You know. I think you definitely. I mean, I, I think you definitely need to try it at least more than once, um, just so you know what it's like. But I mean, like I said, I, I don't think you need to do it. All the time, yeah. you know, because you, you, well, you, you know, you, I, you almost get like immune to it, and you know, then the more you do it, then you just need more and more of it. I'd say, you know, if you're gonna, if you plan on using it as a meat, try it a couple times in the gym at least, so yeah. you know what to expect. Yeah, yeah, it just seems yeah. more uh, severe and extreme than something like a caffeine carbohydrate mouth rinse. You know, you spit that out, you're done, right. as opposed to, uh, I don't know, feeling like you got punched in the face or in the lungs or something. I don't know. <laughs> Well, I mean, it doesn't really seem to last very long either, just like several seconds. and it, it's Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so what else is on your list there, brother? Well, we got um, beta alanine. You know, beta alanine has been around for, you know, not as much as like caffeine or creatine, but it's been around in you know, the last, you know, five plus, you know, seven years or whatever. So it's, it's more newer, you know, compared to the other, you know, stimulants and supplements. But typically, like, you know, beta alanine, um, the main rationale is to increase um, what's called intramuscular concentrations of carnosine. Um, and typically, you know, it's been shown that 28 days of beta alanine supplementation at a dose of like 4 to 6.4 grams per day would increase carnosine levels about 60%. So that's, that's actually from research from a guy named Hill from 2007. Um, and typically, you know, compared to, we always talk about, you know, caffeine and creatine and compared to creatine actually um you know where the muscles can increase that storage capacity for you know seven days you know the loading phase the the upper limits of carnosine is is currently not really known um but i really you know based on the science you have to increase concentrations for at least a month you know to really see somewhat of a notable notable difference but really, with beta alanine, I mean, it, it does increase performance um, on certain conditions like single bouts of high-intensity exercise, um, 60 seconds in duration, or multiple bouts of very high intensity with short rest periods. 
or single bouts of high intensity training like in the presence of fatigue. So those are the three main conditions by which um, beta alanine really seems um, you know to work. If I can chime in on the beta alanine thing, one thing is I get that paresthesis effect from that stuff so badly, you know, right. tingling all over. And some people get it more than others. I've heard there's a genetic issue. Like, I think Asians respond to that differently. I don't even think they get the paresthesis. I'm not sure. I'd have to go look at that. But there's some almost weird nervous system kinds of uh, side effects. Um, yeah, you'll get some, I mean, paresthesis, just tingling of the hands and face. I, I've I've heard it's a lot harmless, of, right? I mean, it's yeah. Harmless. I mean, I heard a on the back of the neck seems to be pretty prevalent as well, but it goes away in an hour. Yeah. Now, one of the things that I think is interesting about that is I've heard people even call it sort of uh, the next creatine in a way. And creatine isn't just an energy pool. Uh, it, creatine monohydrate, when you supplement that, it has muscle buffering effects. And again, that's what beta alanine is going to do, right? It's a precursor for carnosine. Um, you might think, well, why not just eat carnosine? But you have carnosinase, an enzyme in your intestines and bloodstream. It tends to break it down. Now, having said that, I've seen some research that says if you eat lots of meat, you can actually get more carnosine in your body. And carnosine is one of those zoochemicals that we rarely hear about. Oftentimes, you'll hear uh, vegetarians and dietitians and other people talk about phytochemicals, P-H-Y-T-O, from plants. But there are some very cool substances in meats, for example, creatine and carnosine, um, that could have effects for the power athlete. I think it's almost funny because it's almost that macho thing, you know, I'm going to eat lots of meat and be strong, and I think there's some truth to that. And I think the irony with all this is in the, in the old days, you know, hear like eggs and steak before you work out and that sort of thing, or a big pre-workout meal of steak, and then we poo-pooed that for years and said, no, no, you want carbs, you don't want meat. And now we're kind of back to that simple observation that maybe people who eat lots of meat do have more carnosine or creatine uh, in their muscles. I mean, we're talking about very small amounts compared to the supplements, of course. Um, but one, one of the fascinating co contrasts that I want to look at in the spring with a couple of students of mine, uh, it's really it was their original idea. I'm just helping them with it a little bit. But um, is that beta alanine uh, supplementation versus caffeine supplementation? These right. two things do kind of opposite things on um, lactate formation, right? If you take lots yep. of caffeine, generally you ramp up glycolysis, you could make more lactate. Uh, and beta alanine would do sort of the opposite. And yet both of them could be ergogenic effects when it comes to lifting. You know, um, I think the whole thing is you might think, well, how can caffeine be ergogenic if it jacks up your lactate? You're just producing muscle acid. But I think it's the, more neural, you know, of course, with the caffeine whereas the beta-alanine is more on the pure acid buffering side. But this sort of begs the question, though, like you were alluding to, John, which is unless you're doing repeat bouts you know, of a minute in length, uh, I'm not sure the typical powerlifter is going to really get a ton out of beta-alanine, or am I wrong in that? No, no, you're not wrong. I mean, there's been, some, there's been a few studies with beta-alanine, but, I mean, it's, it's really good for, like, like I said, I mean, single bouts of 60 seconds or less or multiple bouts of short rest periods or, you know, when you have fatigue going on. But it, it's really based on, you know, what we've seen. It's it's not going to really do anything for 1RM attempts, you know, or, you know, 3 to 5 rep range and things like that. It's just it's not it's not what it's really was designed to do in a sense. 
you know, in that way, it's really not the next generation creatine because creatine can indeed help, at least in some research, with one rep max attempts. Uh, but uh, you know what? Beta alanine almost strikes me as something more along the lines of what a bodybuilder might use. You know, if he's got lower rest periods, more reps, uh, mm-hmm. you know, coming at him fairly quickly, or maybe an off-season powerlifter like you know Phil was talking about doing some higher rep leg work just to get leg mass. Yeah. Uh, maybe a uh, few more reps and that kind of thing, right? Yeah, I mean, it does have a you know, good impact on things like you know, soccer, wrestling, you know, basketball, and mixed martial arts. You know, where you're moving around a lot of times and you have these short work bouts and you know, you're in the presence of fatigue. But, yeah, just for just pure 1RM attempts, I mean, there's, it's not going to do much. Phil, did you say you've taken that before, beta-alanine? Yeah, I've taken it. I got the same effects as you. I mean, just really tingly. Um, yeah, I don't think I saw, I, I didn't notice enough out of it to keep using it. Did you use it for weeks on end, like John was saying, like at least a month or? Yeah, I, I took it for a few months. This was way back when like Dave Barr was first looking at it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What, yeah, I, what, I don't know. I didn't get a lot out of it. But. How about you, John? Have you played with it yourself? Yeah, I've taken it. Um, and just like you and Phil, I mean, I, I didn't see, I got the tingling effect and but I didn't notice really anything with you know, heavy strength stuff and one rims and, you know, even like in the, you know, four, six rep range or whatever. I mean, there's, yeah, minimal effect. Well, even multiple I sets. I mean, unless you're waiting only a minute between sets, and I don't think most of us would do that, you know, then the only thing I can think it would help with would be like high rep. If you're going to do something high rep. I don't yeah, know. I mean, just high reps, lots of sets, lots of volume. I mean, really short rest period, but I can see it working in those particular situations if you're doing a lot of volume, but, you know, 10 sets of three with speed, I mean, it's, yeah, it's not going to do much. Yeah. Yeah. If I was a marketing person, I would put it in my supplement, though, so you can get that feel effect. (laughs) You know, Phil, interestingly, I think a lot of these pre-workouts, they will specifically put beta alanine or very large doses of niacin uh, along with arginine and that sort of thing, purposely yeah. to try to get people to vasodilate and get that sort of yep. niacin flush. Uh, and along with the caffeine, it it's almost like just an intoxication that they're going for. And I think most people oh, don't realize it's, it's sort of a gimmick. Yeah. You know, Absolutely. as opposed to... Because, I mean, you could take beta-alanine acutely, but based on what John's saying here is it's not going to do anything for you acutely. You'd have to take it for a month or so. You know, get your muscle carnosine levels up. I will say this, though, in its defense. Um, It's one of those things, like creatine, that it could aid your workouts, again, if you're doing high rep, low rest. But it's also, uh, carnosine makes lab animals live much longer. Not a little bit longer, much longer. So you're going to see the longevity people really interested in the beta alanine, which is a precursor to carnosine. Uh, And that's interesting what you said, John, that, we don't really know how much we can pack into muscle tissue. Right. Because um, carnosine, it's not only acid buffering, but I think it has anti-glycation and antioxidant effects and that sort of thing. Yep. So listeners, I don't know, um, help us out here. Uh, go do some longevity searches for carnosine. But uh, again, it's one of those things where I almost feel like saying, listen, lifters seem to be on the right track with a lot of these things because a lot of the things that we're interested in as, as supplements could also be good for your health in general or your longevity. And uh, yeah. now, of course, not everything. <laughs> the pharmaceuticals, you know, in excess aren't going to help. But anyway, do you have other things on your list? 
I do. Um, it kind of transitions well into what um, you and Phil were just talking about. Um, talking about L-arginine, we don't really hear the term um, in and of itself, um, just by just by itself. But supplement products like you know nitric oxide and NO explode. You know, this is what we're really talking about with L-arginine, and typically, um, it's you know essential amino acid um, that supposedly has you know some um, special, you know, can work on special conditions or um, essential for special conditions like catabolic stress or, you know, child growth and things like that. But, you know, L-arginine actually converts to um, L-orthionine uh, um, and urea by the um, enzyme arginase. Um, so arginine is, is commonly used in the pre-workout, you know, supplement claiming to, you know, increase all kinds of things like blood flow and protein synthesis by converting it into like NO or like nitric oxide. And um, there's another compound called L-citrulline as well. But the, the deal behind that is, you know, from what I've seen, the muscle blood flow and, and protein synthesis are increased with nitric oxide, but the arginine very like unreliably increases nitric, nitric oxide and you know, when I'm doing some searches, I found a, a, a term called the arginine paradox, which basically refers to, like, specific situations which supplementation with L-arginine stimulates NO activity, um, even when their um, levels are found in, like, the physiological range. You know, most of the research has been done with just aerobic exercise and not as much with resistance. You know, and there's been some studies with resistance training, but um, I got one study here from Santos from 2002 found increases uh, increased resistance capacity to muscular fatigue uh, with isokinetic machine you know 15 reps uh, with knee flexion and um, you know one uh, report from Frick from 2008 no benefits uh, for max grip um, force with a hand dynamometer so you know there's a few like pure resistance training studies but you know everyone talks about you know, how it's so awesome. And, you know, I, I I was teaching a class one time and I had someone come up to me and say that, you know, he uses this product and it's the only way that he can make his gains. And so I just, I just started really laughing, but um, it's not really all hyped up to really be, so to speak. Okay. Um, did you mention ephedrine specifically, or do you consider that mixed in with the caffeine stuff? Well, um, I consider either both are really mixed in. I mean, typically, most people know about it because of its highly synergistic effect with caffeine and the, you know, ECA stack, the uh, ephedrine, caffeine, and aspirin stack. So, I mean, it's, you know, ephedrine is, is really thoroughly studied and fairly reliable. I mean, it's, it really, I mean, it does work, especially with um, mainly its effects on fat loss and um, and, and some as well. So, well, uh, the interesting thing I, I always found about um, ephedrine is um, even though you really can't get ephedra, the herb, so much anymore, of course, people still buy like primatine tablets and that sort of thing. Uh, and, the, you know, you, you don't need a prescription for that necessarily um, as an asthma med. But ephedrine is it's a beta agonist. It's a nonspecific beta agonist, whereas something like clenbuterol, which doesn't just make you very lean over time if you're, you know, uh, cautious with the receptor downregulation and all that, but um, 
but clenbuterol also makes uh, skeletal muscle contract in a very special way, and it makes people very strong. Mm-hmm. Um, gym tales with that sort of thing. I mean, I remember a, a girl at the gym, gosh, it was a very long time ago, and she would struggle with 135 in the bench. And, I mean, within a matter of literally just a couple of weeks, she was repping with 185. And I'm just <laughs> like, wow. Normally you're, like, you know, getting a double 135. Now you're plowing up sixes and eights with 185, like, two weeks later. But that's, like, the power of the beta-2 receptor, I'll tell you. But that's clenbuterol. Ephedrine is nonspecific. So beta-1, beta-2, beta-3. Um, actually, the, the cardiovascular effects, I think, are quite a bit greater with, with ephedrine. Um, but anyway, and like you were saying, that was something that probably saw its peak in popularity years ago. Yep. Um, and you just don't see it as much anymore, but I do know at least some bodybuilders that continue to buy primatine tablets and, and use ephedrine and for dieting and that sort of thing. But because of the strength effects, I'm almost surprised more powerlifters don't mess around with that. I don't know. Or do they feel? Uh, I don't think a bunch. I don't, I don't see it. With anybody that I've with, I mean, I think of it more as uh, I know people who use it for fat loss. Yeah, the problem with it for a power lifter is uh, the anorectic effect. You know, so not only will it speed up your metabolism to help with fat loss, for example, and like John said, we can't. There's no sense in lying and saying this stuff doesn't work. Of course it does. It's just you know some people the side effects are, are worse than with others, I guess. But there's a hypertensive effect. It's even used clinically to drive up blood pressure on purpose. Um, but the way it kills your appetite and drives up your blood pressure, that doesn't sound like two things powerlifters really want more of, <laughs> I think, um, uh, necessarily. Uh, anyway, it's uh, it's interesting, though, uh, as a stimulant, because these different stimulants really do have different effects. You can't just say stimulant like a blanket statement, because then when they try to replace ephedrine with things like uh, the bitter orange extracts, you know, synephrine and that sort of thing... Um, in my opinion, it, nothing like it. Not the same at all. Uh, and, you know, of course, then there's the other um, stimulants. What was the one that was on the market most recently? The geranium stuff, DMAA, I think, or uh, or whatever that stuff is. And, I mean, that's already been pulled from the market, too. So stuff that's stimulant is go- always going to sell, and I think that's why pre-workout products sell. It's the right. same thing, the same reason those mini thins sold in the gas stations that were basically ephedrine hydrochloride and, you know, because it's it's such an immediate acute effect that it sells people on it, you know, and I don't know. Okay, but I digress. So, John, um, is there anything else on your list? Uh, yeah, you know, there's actually one more. It's um, <laughs> It's actually sodium bicarbonate. And, you know, for those that are listening, we're just really talking about baking soda here and you know, what's interesting about sodium bicarb, it's, it's not usually the number one or number two or top three sort of go-to, you know, supplements to increase performance. And it's not really on the list for those wanting to improve performance, at, you know, at all, especially, in you know, with um, lifting and things like that. But the, really the, the main deal behind sodium bicarb is um, is reducing the effects of acidosis, right? So, you know, very high-intensity exercise bouts, you know, create acidosis, and it really just helps, you know, buffer those those hydrogen ions. And typically the standard dose from what I've seen is about two to 500 milligrams uh, per kg. And this is very similar to beta-alanine's effect, right? So short power exercises um, that, you know, produce, um, you know, exercise-induced acidosis. Typically... 
uh, with sodium bicarb, um, you can get some benefits about in a, like a single dose, you know, 60 to 90 minutes before training. Um, but, you know, one of the main side effects of, of, of sodium bicarb is that you, you kind of have to be careful because it's, it is associated with like GI distress, you know, gastrointestinal side effects. Yeah. If, if, the, if the dose is taken, if a large dose is taken at once or if it's taken like too quickly, um, but it's been shown to, to be very effective in, you know, four to 800 meter runs or um, especially like with swimming events. Um, there's, there's a lot of stuff on that. So uh, very similar in terms of the effects, um, like, like with beta alanine, the short intensity bouts, you know, the acidosis um, and things like that. So that's, that's something else that's been more popular. I don't, I mean, I don't really know of any people, anybody that uses that, um, but uh, it, it is effective in those regards. Yeah, I've seen literature reviews on bicarb on basically baking soda, uh, and they're positive. You know, the stuff does work. Like you said, there's those gastric side effects. I heard stories when I was out in California about boxes and boxes of the stuff in the dumpsters outside of these where these guys would do velodrome kind of cycling, you know, like circular cycling, not Tour de France stuff, but like, you know, the guys with the huge quads that are doing bikes, you know, sprints more or less or mid-distance stuff. And, um, you know, all these guys are belching and all this stuff because they're just eating the boxes of Arm & Hammer baking soda with a spoon, <laughs> you know. Um, but you're right. I agree with that. I, I would yeah. think most of what we do in lifting, unless you're doing some seriously high rep stuff with low rest, um, probably more along the lines of uh, other kinds of power athletes. And I think we need to be careful, too, because a lot of times you hear about aerobic athletes or endurance uh, versus power athletes but there's such a spectrum of power i mean you can measure power in watts in a vertical jump you know which is almost instantaneous uh but the classic thing that's often used is like a wingate test a 30 second bike sprint but neither of those things are really identical to you know a single or double uh in the bench you know for um for speed or for maximal strength um, yeah, there was only two studies that I that I kind of came up with uh, or found that talked about resistance training and sodium bicarb, and you know they took like 300 milligrams per kg, like 100 minutes before training with leg presses, you know four sets of 12, you know to failure, um, and they they found an increase in lactate, but they, they the bicarbonate you know didn't improve performance at all, and I mean that was that was that was a study from 98 and another one from 93. I mean this was 20 years ago. Um, they didn't show any. Um, you know, effect either. So um, it's like, yeah, it's um, not really used for, you know, heavy lifting. I think the protocol is just a huge part of this, right? What movement are you in? How many reps? What's the rest period? And that's why it's hard to see some of these things that agree or don't agree. Uh, I would point listeners to, there was a review by Astorino and colleagues uh, that I was just presenting in Chicago, actually. And he he talks about the literature with stimulants, specifically caffeine, I think, but with power tests like Wingate and other things or agility drill-type power versus straight-up resistance lifts, you know. Uh, and so that Astrean review really focused in on the resistance part, and yeah. I appreciate that, too, because especially what we've been seeing with the upper body seems more uh, affected in the lower body, and I just keep seeing that again and again, and I don't know... Uh, what other labs are seeing, maybe not everybody agrees with that, but I just keep seeing that energy drinks, caffeine, 
uh, on and on. Uh, maybe it's our specific protocol, you know, because we're only using like 30 to 50 percent loads and we're going for power and speed. Um, the protocols I'm going to be using in the spring are 60 percent loads for reps. So it's almost more along the lines of what you might call a, a higher rep bodybuilder set, you know, like a 12 to 15 rep range kind of thing. Um, and we'll see what happens with the beta alanine versus the caffeine and, and that kind of thing. Well, I mean, you need to go all Russian and pull out like 150% plyometrics. <laughs> Back to the old Russian studies where you have people jump off huge boxes with 315. Splatter their kneecaps against the wall. Yeah. Yeah. The strong will survive. Blow them right off. <laughs> well, the reason that I go for the lighter loads is not out of some wuss, you know, idea or applicability to the general population, but it's because of the whole force velocity curve. You know, I mean, if I pile weight on there, you don't get the best power output because the bar is just moving too slow. Uh, but it's something that I'm still curious about, and I'll continue to inch up. I just want to work my way through the different, you know, percent loads sort of as I look at these different supplements. In fact, um, Arnold Schwarzenegger's supplement line that Rob was mentioning, um, Muscle Farm, I think, is the company that's behind that in part. And they've got grants, and I might actually apply for one of those grants. We'll see. And look at one of their products with some of the heavier loads. So, um, But, yeah, caffeine naive versus habituated, I mean, all this stuff. Plus, I mean, finding college men who don't use pre-workouts or supplements of any kind, yeah. that's, it's hard to find. It's hard to actually get those subjects. So, Oh, I wanted to say two things quickly. Um, one, I will put a link to some of the abstracts that we just published on uh, this via instant coffee and explosive performance. I'll put those abstract links on our Iron Radio Facebook page, just so you can check them out for yourself. It's the Annals of Nutrition and Metabolism, uh, Fall 2013. Uh, so you can go look at the specifics for those of you who are sort of the, on the geek side of things. And I wanted to mention quickly, too, I, uh, I alluded earlier in the show to psychological versus motor neuron effects. Um, we have some seen some people who they get crazy wired psychologically you know they're bouncing their legs they're chatty they're you know wide-eyed and they respond with a likert type scale very highly you know i'm very alert i'm very focused i mean you know they're just talking a mile a minute and uh i've just been very curious as to how much that pans out into motor performance, right? Just because your brain is on fire, does that mean that you can send that electricity down your nerves to your muscles? Uh, yeah. And uh, I've got some students looking at that as well. Um, some of them are actually going to use EMG, and I'm very interested in that one as well, um, to see if you're actually dumping more electricity down your wires, you know, and into your muscles, just surface EMG to see um, if you're firing that nervous system more or how much more, you know, what percent more with uh, high-dose caffeine or with some of the other supplements. So I want to start looking more mechanistically in a way, um, but ultimately, of course, it comes down to just performance too. And that's, in a nutshell, we've been seeing between, I'd say, 2 and 9% boosts in bar velocity and power output um, so, you know, I, uh, higher doses, uh, Joey Antonio just sent around a link to an abstract that if you want to get the effects on the really high end, like you sometimes mention, Phil, is you got to hit the caffeine harder. Um, so I don't know. 
you know, all this stuff just food for thought, I guess. You know, there's the stimulants, there's the muscle buffers, there's all this stuff that John's talking about. And uh, it, there's just different different ways, you know, different ways to boost performance, I guess. Okay. Any closing thoughts? Uh, almost, Dr. Mike? Uh, not right now, but yeah, I'm, uh, it'll be late this next spring, early summer, and I'll be finished, so um, definitely looking forward to that moment. Yeah, you and Mike Nelson both. I am still waiting to call you doctor here. Yeah, you know, I, uh, <laughs> I sat out for a little over a year, you know, after I took my comps and things, and I, I, I came back um, here to um, Albuquerque uh, in January, and, I mean, hands down, it's, it's the best decision I've ever made. I mean, it's um, by far, so. Oh, that's good. So things take time, and but um, it's yeah, it's uh, it's been great. Well, we need science guys that are also lifters, strong man, power lifters, bodybuilder types to not just burst the stereotype, but because you have insights that uh, somebody who's just an egghead just won't have. You mm-hmm. know, they just don't have as much to draw from. So. Yeah, uh, you know, speaking of Mike Nelson, he um, he's going to be defending um, his dis- his um, dissertation here within the next three to four days. Something like that. Yeah, somebody give him a shout out on our Facebook page. He's on Facebook pretty often. Yeah, yeah so he uh, is really happy for him. Me too. He's under the gun. It's gonna. It's that real high stress rite of passage kind of thing. And I'll tell you, people who say that science isn't real world, they don't realize how rigorously tested and brutally um, challenged you are intellectually in, to go through this whole process. I mean, yeah. you have to prove yourself eight ways to Sunday. This is Absolutely. not just some cakewalk. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, the writing process in and of itself is stressful enough. (laughs) No doubt. No doubt. All right, brothers. All right, guys. Iron Radio is accepting donations. If you like what we do, the professors, the scientists, the bodybuilding show promoters – the athletes themselves in powerlifting and bodybuilding. Um, please consider making a donation or maybe buying something from the iRadio.org uh, store. Uh, we also are accepting supporting members. So for $4 a month, which is frankly less than the bank sneaks out of your account in fees, you can step up and support a form of sort of public radio for the bodybuilding and powerlifting and strength community. The Iron Radio Podcast and all of the audio on ironradio.org is for informational purposes only. If you're interested in starting a diet or exercise program, it's important to check with your physician. Also seek the help of registered dietitians, athletic trainers, and qualified exercise physiologists in order to make the progress that you need.